Yeah, welcome to church. So good to have you. How are you doing well? Yeah, yeah, doing well? Come on. Are you freaking out? I'm just like, oh, don't talk. You'll throw the spear at you. <laughs> Happy Easter Friday. Good Friday. And uh, it's quite strange, isn't it? You know, we call it Good Friday, yet, you know, it's all about Jesus dying on a cross and death and torture and torment. Yeah, we call it Good Friday. And I guess this morning, that's what we're, what we're going to talk about is why do we call it Good Friday? And the simple reason is this, that uh, it's a good day because we know the end of the story. And the end of the story is that uh, this didn't define Jesus, right? This, the death did not define who Jesus was, right? But the comeback did. The comeback defined who Jesus was. You know, we love comebacks, right? We love the story of comebacks from the time that we're little kids to even adults. We love comebacks, you know, comebacks is what we love. Remember at school, you know, if someone called your name, you'd have a comeback because we want to be on top. We want to be right, you know, and someone would say, oh, Tim, you know, uh, you're a bit fat. You know, and the comeback was, well, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever bounces off me, it sticks to you, right? Remember that comeback? Remember that one? You know, or there's the other one, you know, uh, uh, Tim, you have a big nose. And uh, the, the comeback was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but <laughs> you use that one, right? Names will never hurt me. <laughs> Wasn't that a lie? Right? It should be sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will only give me lifelong psychological damage. That's what it should be, right? <laughs> you know, or, you know, Tim, your feet look funny. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, here, here's one. You know, uh, I know you are, you said you are, but. Oh, one person used it. <laughs> I know you are, you said you are, but what am I? So what? Am I, we love comebacks. We, we, we always want to, you know, if someone uh, is, says that I'm down and out or something wrong with me, I'm going to come back. I love the comebacks. We love comebacks. Who can forget one of the greatest comebacks of history in 2015 when the North Queensland Cowboys <laughs> played the Brisbane Babies? I mean, the Brisbane Broncos. The Brisbane Broncos. And although sticks and stones may break Jonathan Thurston's bones, the stopwatch would never hurt him, right? <laughs> and he puts that pass out. Where's Dallas' hand this morning? Where is he? Put your hand up. <laughs> he puts that pass out to the winger and the Cowboys score and win. <laughs> so good. We love comebacks, right? We love it. You know, um, Mandela versus apartheid. We love comebacks. Uh, Lincoln versus civil disruption. We love comebacks. I was reading the Huffington Post this week, one of the uh, best left-wing news agencies that there is, and they did the top 10 greatest comebacks in human history. And what's interesting is the number one comeback that this left-wing paper said was the greatest comeback was Jesus coming back from death. How cool is that, right? You know the story. This good man named Jesus gets tried, gets sentenced to death, he dies, gets buried, but then he comes back to life, not even uh, death could hold him down. It's the greatest comeback in human history. The cross then is a symbol of comeback. It's a symbol of hope. That when all the odds were stacked against Jesus, he comes back and wins. The cross is a symbol of hope beyond the suffering. Right? Now, the benefit for us is this, right? Um, we know the end of the book. We, we, we know the end of the story, right? We can flick a few pages in 
and we can find the end. We know that Jesus wins. But put yourself in the shoes, though, of the disciples and the Jews who were around the cross when Jesus was being hung there. They didn't have the end of the story, right? They didn't know. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment, what they would have been feeling, what would have been happening while, while Jesus is in suffering, while they are in a place of despair, they didn't know what was happening. They couldn't see the end. They couldn't see the hope because all they saw was this thing defining Jesus right now. And it's kind of like us, isn't it? You know, we know that comebacks exist. In fact, we've probably seen comebacks in our own life. Yet when we're in the middle of that suffering, when we're in the middle of whatever in life is getting us down, when we're in the middle where it seems like that there's no hope, it's so hard to see that there is, isn't it? You know, when you're in the middle of pain, it's so hard to find a way out. And so the question that I have this morning is, can you live a life? Is it possible that no matter what circumstances happen in your life, is it possible to always have a way out? Is it possible to always have hope? Is it possible that no matter what I go through, there is always hope for me to cling to? And the answer, I think, is this. Yes, I think there is. And I think I found it. And I want to show it to you this morning. So this at John 19. says this. You get it in your Bibles, you can have it, read, read, read with me. It says this. Now, it was the day of preparation. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay, there's two things happening here right now. Number one, Sabbath was going to be tomorrow, and uh, they didn't want people hanging on the cross dead. So break the people's legs, make sure they're dead, get them down. That's the first thing that, 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 that's happening. The second thing that's happening is this. As soon as that Roman soldier stuck a spear in the side of Jesus, and blood and water began flowing out from his side, that would have got the attention of every single Jew standing around the cross. Every single person, every single Jew that saw the spear go in, come out, and then blood and water flow, that got every single Jew's attention. Because see, blood and water or red water is highly symbolic in the Jewish culture. Highly symbolic. It meant something. As soon as they saw it, it meant something. It was deeply ingrained as a symbol in Jewish language that it meant whenever the Jews saw blood and water or red water, it meant that God was about to do something spectacular. That's what it meant. Whenever they say, saw blood and water or red water, it meant that God was, God was doing something spectacular, which was this, that beyond the suffering, there's hope. That's what it meant. Whenever they saw red water or blood and water, it meant that beyond the suffering, there is hope. That worldview starts in Genesis. Every Jew had to know the Torah. The Torah was the first five books of the Jewish uh, scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, 
Deuteronomy. Every Jew knew the first five books of the Bible. And, and one thing that they would have read uh, was this story that, that I'm going to show you in Genesis, where it's the beginning of this red water of blood and water. And it's Genesis 2, verses 10 to 12. It says this, check this out. A river flowed from the land of Eden. Everyone say river. Watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch called the Pishon flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. We read this, right, in our English, and we see a great geography lesson, right? That's what we see. You know, we see uh, a garden, we see a river, uh, we see a, a land, and we see gold. We see a geography lesson. Yet, the Jews, though, we have to understand that, uh, first of all, um, in Jewish, in, in ancient Jewish language, the language wasn't in English like this, but uh, the language was written in pictures, kind of like hieroglyphs, right? And so the language was extremely symbolic. And so there's a few things that I want to uh, just bring to your attention here this morning and unpack it, right? Symbolism was everything. We see geography, yet when they read this, they saw something, okay? When, re- when, when we read it, we see information. When they read it, they saw something, So the question here is not about locations of gardens, rivers, land, and gold. The question is, what do you see? What do you see? Okay, so a few things. Um, Firstly, Eden. Uh, Eden means pleasure. Okay, the Garden of Eden, you've you've heard the story. Eden simply means pleasure. Uh, Pishon, the river Pishon. Pishon is the Hebrew picture for hope. It's the Hebrew picture for hope. the, uh, The land Havilah. Havilah is the picture of suffering. So when they read this scripture out, they didn't read about geography. What they read was that out from a pleasurable land flows hope through suffering. That's what they saw. That in the middle of suffering, there is a river of hope. That's what they read. That's what they saw. What they saw was that while I might be in a land of suffering, there is a river called hope which leads, to pre- uh, which leads to pleasure, which means this, that whenever we find ourselves in times of suffering, there is always hope. The thing is this though, when you're going through tough times and you're going through painful times, it's always easier to find the river of blame. It's always easier to find the river of excuses. It's always easier to find the river if it's too hard. It's always easier to find the river of insecurity. It's always easier to find the flow of apathy or the flow of anxiety and worry. But since the beginning of time, God wanted us to know that although we might find ourselves in times of hardship, hope is flowing. Hope is always available. Hope can always be found because the river always flows. That's what God wants us to know this morning. That although we might go through tough times, there is always hope, because the river always flows. The fourth thing here is gold. Um, This is quite interesting. You can Google this, because I did. It's it's, it's quite interesting. When you put gold in water, uh, I thought you would just have shiny water, right? Golden water. It's, it's not the case. When you actually crush up gold into its gold dust, into its nanoparticles, and put it with water, something amazing happens. Um, it turns into this liquid called colloidal gold, right? And colloidal gold is not the color gold. It's the color red. 
So when you put gold dust in water, the water turns red. Now, what else is red? Blood, right? Okay, hold that for a moment. Hold that for a moment, right? Uh, the, the, the word gold, remember uh, Hebrew is, is about pictures, right? The word gold is three pictures in the Hebrew. The first picture is an eyeball, okay? So being able to see. The second picture is of someone harvesting. So provision, so to see provision. The third picture is of a house or the house of God. So the word gold in Hebrew means to see provision in your house or to see provision in the house of God. So whenever a Jew read this out, what they saw was this, that a river of hope flows beyond suffering. So look and see that provision is given in the house of God through the river of blood. Or to reverse it, what this means is that the blood that's found in the house of God is given to you so that you can see that even in the middle of your suffering, there is hope that leads to to pleasure. I'm here to tell you this morning, right, that suffering is not your final destination. Suffering is not where you build your tent. Suffering is not where you live, right? That's not your house. But I'm here to tell you that in the house of God, you can find hope and hope is your final destination. Hope is where we live. Hope is where the Jews were, hope is where Christians are. That's where we live. We're hopeful. Oh, I'm pumped. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, don't jump too much. Calm down, Tim. Calm down. See, whenever water turns to blood, it means hope is on its way. Check this out. We see it every day when women give birth to babies, right? They go through a bit of suffering. (laughs) Just going to pause. (laughs) How do I get out of this one? (laughs) Right? Mum goes through suffering, but it doesn't last, right? Because eventually there's hope that leads to pleasure. Um, before the suffering though, what happens? What comes out? Waters break. What is that mixture of? Water and blood. Isn't it interesting that even in life and we give life, that water and blood come out first to remind us that suffering is not the final destination. But eventually there's going to be hope that leads to pleasure. So it's all in life, right? It's all in the Jewish narrative actually. This is just where it starts, Right? Uh, it, 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 it starts in that scripture. Um, you know, you got Eden, Pishon, Havilah, and gold, but it's all through the narrative, actually. Um, there's this one time where the Jews find themselves for 430 years in Egypt as slaves. They're slaves for 430 years. They're in a place of suffering. What happens is this man called Moses gets a call of God to rescue them, goes to the Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, ooh, baby, let my people go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and through a series of unfortunate events 10 unfortunate events (laughs) the Israelites move on one of those events was this that the river was turned what color? red was turned to blood and so the Egyptians when they saw a river turn red they thought they were cursed but what did the Jews think? as soon as they saw a red river flowing through their suffering they thought God was going to do something was about to do something spectacular because they saw a red river flowing through the land of suffering. They get released from Egypt and they get to this big body of water that's stopping them from, from escaping the Egyptians who are on their tails who are ready to bring them back into slavery. The Bible says that Moses gets his big stick out and hits the water and the waters part. 
You know, the name of that sea was called the Red Sea. Hope flows beyond suffering water and blood they get to a place called Mount Sinai where Moses walks up this big mountain to get you know to have a chat with God and God gives him you know 10 ways to be free and and and, and he's gone for a long time that's actually and the Jews think that he's dead or that God's forgotten about him so what the Jews do well what the Israelites do is they collect all the gold that they have and they make a big gold statue of a cow and uh, eventually Moses comes back down and hey guys I'm not dead um, and then he sees them worshipping this gold cow. It's interesting what Moses does. Moses makes them rip the cow up and grind it into gold dust. He makes them mix the gold dust with water that turns the water and makes them drink it. Hope flows through suffering. Whenever the Jews saw red water or blood and water, it, they, it, they were reminded that God is about to do something spectacular. There's this one time where this new rabbi comes onto the scene, this new spiritual guru, and he comes onto the scene and he goes to this wedding feast and to announce he's coming, to announce what's happening, uh, he, he turns water into wine. He makes the water turn red. Jesus announces himself to the world by symbolizing, guys, God is about to do something spectacular. Jesus goes around doing good for three years and then the religious establishment get pretty sick of him and they try him and they sentence him to death and he finds himself on a cross and to cap things off after he's died, a Roman soldier comes up, grabs a spear, puts it through his side into his heart and then rips it back out. And what flows out of Jesus? Water and blood even in the greatest act of suffering there is hope still found even in the greatest moment of suffering hope still flows even though this is a symbol of suffering even though this is a symbol of death even though this is a symbol of disaster even though this is a symbol of pain even though it's a symbol of torture and anxiety even in the greatest suffering hope was still flowing I'm here to tell you today that one symbol that the cross gives us is even if you find yourself in a land of suffering and a land of torture at the foot of the cross hope still flows even though you might find Find yourself in what seems like the land of Havilah. You can always find hope at the foot of the cross because His blood that is found in the house of God causes us to see that there is hope beyond our suffering that leads to pleasure. That's what you have this morning through the cross. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. The cross is so powerful. Let's not forget what it's really about. It's not about death. It's actually about a comeback. It's actually about hope. Not just hope that Jesus rose, but hope for me. That even though I find myself in stupid situations, sometimes, (laughs) I can find myself at the foot of the cross where hope continually flows where hope is constantly flowing. See, saying yes to Jesus is not about saying yes to religion. It's not about saying yes to rules or to regulations or yes to a system. 
It's about saying yes to hope. Hope with our kids. Mom, Dad, maybe you're here this morning and maybe your kids are a long way away from hope. I'm here to tell you this morning. There's hope at the foot of the cross. Don't look to the river of excuse with your kids. Don't look to the river of what if. Look to the river of hope, Jesus. You know, we can have hope for our marriages, hope for our employment. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe it's tough right now where you're working or you're not working. Let me tell you, don't go to the river of stress and anxiety. That's going to add nothing to your life. It's going to add nothing. Go to the foot of the cross where hope flows, where provision causes you to see that you can be full of hope, right? Saying yes to Jesus is about saying yes to hope with our health. Maybe some doctors have spoken over your life this morning and said, you know what, you're in the river of cancer. You're in the river of death. You're you're in the river of sickness. Don't allow him to splash that water on you. (laughs) Get to the foot of the cross and allow the hope of Christ to infiltrate your world. Hope for our relationships. Maybe there's some broken relationships in your world. And you've just been, man, I just wish that was fixed. Don't go into the river of blame. (laughs) Get to the river of hope. Get to the river of hope in your life. And our hope with our self-worth. What I love about this is, is this, that no matter what circumstances I find myself in, right, that will get me down, that will bring suffering, anxiety, pain. No matter what happens, I can trust that here I will always have the hope of Christ. Because although this thing said, Jesus, you're dead, quite interestingly, the disciples buried Jesus. If they really thought he was going to raise again, wouldn't they just kind of leave him on a sidewalk somewhere? (laughs) Wouldn't they have done that? They didn't know. They put him in a tomb. Even they were a little bit confused. You know, all about this is then, no matter what, I can have hope. The cross leads straight back to the comeback. Just because you're in a place of suffering does not mean you're out. Jesus came back. I know, Tim, but Jesus was God. If there was one person that could come back, it's God. (laughs) Great question, right? You know, Lord, I know you are, right? I know you're God. You said you are, but what about me? What, What am I, Lord? I know you are. You said you are, but what am I? You know that? We can get our identity from the cross this morning. And that identity is this. Lord, I know that you are. You said you are, but what am I? What am I? Let me tell you who you are this morning. You are hopeful. That's your identity. You are hopeful. You are hopeful. That's your identity. And you find it at the foot of the cross where the water and blood flow, where hope flows.
Jesus. We love you this morning, Lord, and we're so grateful that we get to be around the foot of the cross this morning, reminding ourselves that (laughs) in three days, Lord, it's the biggest party in heaven. Lord, it's the greatest moment of our lives. You defeated the ultimate, Lord. You defeated death. And we just want to just spend these moments, Lord, reflecting on what you've done for us and the hope that we have through you. Lord, when that Roman soldier put that spear and out came water and blood, Lord, we know that right now in the house of God, we can see provision. Lord, that even though we might go through tough times, we can find hope that leads to pleasure. I speak that over this whole church, Lord. Those that are here, those that aren't. Lord, I speak it over Ipswich right now. Lord, that this city would experience your hope. That this city would experience the pleasure of knowing you. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe for the first time you've heard about this God that's full of hope. And you're thinking, Tim, you know what? I'd love to live that kind of life where I'm just full of that hope of God. You know, I just want to ask you, would you say yes to Jesus this morning? Would you say yes to Jesus this morning? Would you say yes to hope? Let me just why every eye is closed this morning. If you're saying, Tim, you know what? Pray for me. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If, if, if you're saying, you know what? I would love to say yes to Jesus. I'd love to say yes to hope this morning. If that's you, I'd, I would love to pray for you and uh, with you. And you know, So if that is you, maybe just give me a quick wave just so I can pray for you. Anyone here this morning? Say, Pastor Tim, pray for me, please. I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Thank you in the middle. Yeah, anyone else? I want to say yes to hope this morning. Anyone else? Just give me a quick wave. Up the back. Awesome. Cool. Anyone else this morning saying, Pastor Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to hope this morning. I want to say yes to hope flowing in my life. Anyone else here this morning? Three. Awesome. Thank you. Three. Anyone else? Is there a fourth person here this morning saying, Pastor Tim, pray for me. Pray for me this morning. Four, awesome. Five, come on. Anyone else here this morning? Say, Pastor Tim, pray for me. I want to experience that hope of Jesus. Awesome, amen. Just just one more time, just so I've got everyone, the five people. Well, everyone's eyes closed. If you can just put your hand up really high and I'll just count you out just so I know that I've got you. So if, if you can just put your hand up again. One, two, three, four. That was my fifth one. Four. Lord, I just pray for those people who just responded just then. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can come to you and and just be in that position of hope. Lord, hope for eternal life and, 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 and hope for new life. And so I just speak that into their world right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What we're going to do is I'm going to invite uh, Tish and the team out. They're going to do an item for us. Just a bit of, I guess, self-reflection this morning. But as we do that, we're going to take communion together. And so as communion comes around, they're going to sing a song. And just find yourself in a, I guess, a position of awareness. Be aware that the presence of God is here this morning. Be aware that right now as we're sitting here listening to the song, that hope flows. Hope flows. In Jesus' name.